Menu Feed, a bi-weekly podcast from Winsight Media's two food service brands, Restaurant Business and Food Service Director. I'm Pat Kobe, Senior Editor covering Menu, Food, and Drink for both brands. Today I'm talking with Jennifer and Michelle Kaminsky, sisters and co-founders of Two Korean Girls, a virtual concept that opened in Miami during the pandemic. The two have been planning on a ghost kitchen from the start offering a menu of delivery-friendly Korean-style bowls to go in an area that was devoid of Korean restaurants. Their mom, Sunny, who owns a Korean restaurant in Indiana and produces a line of sauces, helped the pair adapt the menu to a ghost kitchen format. And renowned Florida chef Alan Susser serves as their mentor and consultant. Listen as Michelle and Jennifer share how they updated their mom's recipes with modern touches and how they cultivate digital hospitality to grow their customer base and plan to nurture the growth of two Korean girls into the future. Welcome, Jennifer and Michelle. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Pat. Yeah, happy to be here. Well, great. So why don't each of you tell me a little bit about your professional backgrounds and what led you to start two Korean girls? So um, to kind of give you a little bit of background um, for me is, you know, I have a really strong passion for the hospitality industry, and I have spent probably the past 10 plus years um, working in event sales, operations, and marketing with some of the top restaurants in Chicago. So I've always kind of sort of been in the, you know, the hospitality restaurant industry. Uh, Jennifer can obviously contest to this. Never did we ever think that we would ever own a restaurant, um, especially with growing up and, you know, growing up in a restaurant, you know, watching our mother every day, like going into work, you know, it, it, it's hard work. You got to have passion for it, the dedication, which my mom completely has. But, you know, we just, that was not on the list of what I want to be when I grow up. Um, you know, and uh, so, yeah, look, uh, but I never strayed too far from the hospitality industry. And, um, you know, I just really have a strong passion for it. How about you, Jennifer? Yeah, you know, as Michelle said, we grew up in the restaurant business. Um, our mother has owned a Korean restaurant in Indiana for just over 30 years now and has developed a line of sauces and seasonings from it that sold retail. Uh, and so, you know, Michelle and I have grew up, you know, as in any family business working in the restaurant. So it was never really, I think, our desire to to go that path or go that route. Um, however, you know, a few years ago, uh, and I've and I've been in the marketing and branding space myself, and I run a digital marketing agency down here um, that's based out of Miami. And a few years ago, uh, you know, I think out of just my frustration here in Miami of not having any. Um, easy options for Korean food, which seems so crazy for like such a big market and also just such a a huge, um, I guess, tourist market as well. How is there no Korean food here? Um, So that's kind of where it started. Uh, And, um, you know, Michelle and I just started talking and thinking about it. And really, it all really started like with with that kind of idea of we feel like there's a market need and, you know, we're interested in maybe finding a solution. And along the way, I think being able to share our culture uh, Mm -hmm. and our heritage, um, I think has been important for us. We've really enjoyed being able to do that. And um, and Mm -hmm. I think it's a driver for us. So Michelle, how is your mom involved in the Into Korean Girls? How is she she not involved? (laughs) So, um, you know, mom, Sunny, 
you know, as Jennifer mentioned, she has her own line of sauces and seasonings, you know, and so, you know, this two Korean girls, it's so special to us because, you know, not only, you know, do I get to work with my sister, but it's also something that we get to share, um, you know, with our mother. Like, it's also a way for us to honor her and, you know, all of her, you know, what she's all done and whatnot. So, you know, she, um, you know, so all of the recipes um, are basically from her and her family generations. Um, Jennifer and I have obviously put our little bit of a modern flair to some of the dishes. Uh, but for the most part, you know, they are very authentic. You know, these, um, you know, if you were in South Korea, like finding or seeing a restaurant like two Korean girls is exactly what you would see in Seoul, you know, walking down the street, like, you know, how it's modern, but it's still authentic. And it's also very, very catchy, very chic. Um, you know, it's very, very cute, basically. <laughs> so everything that, you know, we've tried to really capture with our brand, you know, we were really trying to keep it true and, you know, authentic, you know, to our roots and to um, our culture. Um, so with that being said, I mean, she's been there since day one, you know, and she comes in, she really helps us like get the kitchen organized, um, really streamline our recipes. She's also been working, you know, she also worked with Chef Allen and, you know, with all of us. So, you know, it's really been such a great team and, um, and an honor to be working with her. And, um, and trust me, like she's, she checks in on us like every, every other month, I want to say, and, you know, does a line check and tasting things. And she's like, mm, this is a little off. And Jennifer and I are always like, how do you know this? How do you do this? Because, you know, we'll taste them. We're like, it's fine. And she's like, Mm-mm, no, because it, it it's missing this. And once she like adds what she needs, we'll taste them. We'll be like, oh, yeah, you're right. This is how it's supposed to taste. So she's very, very active um, in, you know, the success and, you know, you know, being with Jennifer and I through this. Great. Jennifer, tell me how Chef Alan Susser is involved and why you tapped him hmm. um, a partner. No, sure. Um, so... Uh, I met Chef Allen probably about 10 years ago um, here in Miami. I, our, my agency and um, personally, like I've been involved in philanthropic work with Share Our Strengths uh, and No Kid Hungry. And Chef Allen Susser is the founding chair for their, one of their biggest philanthropic events down here, A Taste of the Nation. And so in, in volunteering and, and becoming a part of that committee, he and I started working together in that capacity and then some other projects therein. Uh, we've both been to D.C. to lobby with them and for different events and stuff like that for South Florida and on behalf of No Kid Hungry. Uh, and that's really kind of where it started, you know, is coming together for that shared cause. And he's always, you know, he's, he's you know, in coming to and getting to know him and, and through the years, you know, just realizing what a great resource he is, how, you know, just like the knowledge and the everything else that he carries, but also too, just what a wonderful person and, um, and just such a kind soul. And so, you know, when it came time and, and I knew that he'd kind of somewhat retired from, you know, the traditional sense of the hospitality business, but that he was doing some consulting with existing brands, startups, etc. So when we had this idea, I think I, I might've, he might've been my first call. I think I might've called him before I called our mom. Um, because I was, oh no, the rest of, no, I, maybe I did call Sunny first. Cause I was like, you know what? I should just make sure that she's uh, on board with 
us using her recipes and her helping us, you know, with the recipes and, and developing all of these things. Yeah, sure. It's fine. Of course, I'll be happy to help. You know, she was thrilled. So then the next person I called was Chef Allen. And I said, listen, you know, I know that you do consulting for companies. I don't know if we're a fit or if we'll be a fit. And this was, this was my new three years ago when we were just mm -hmm. conceptualizing. And I said, but I know that we're going to need expertise in the culinary space and in this market um, so that we can, I guess, start running faster, right? And if we make mistakes as we're going to, well, they'll be less detrimental. So, mm -hmm. you know, we have this idea. It's based around this like very beloved Korean dish, bibimbap, and we we want to bring that to the market here and, and celebrate that. And the concept, we want to that be the core. So it's not a Korean, it's not, you know, a Korean restaurant. It is a Korean restaurant, but the menu and the core of it is based around this dish, bibimbap. And I was like, so, you know, it's comfort and goodness in a bowl. You know, what do you think? And he was like, okay, um, well, I want to start by saying you're absolutely insane to even <laughs> consider wanting to be in the restaurant business. So I'll get that out of the way. And then next I'll say, I love it. I think it's a great idea. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's modern, it's comforting. It's people can easy to understand for people. It's not complicated. Uh, and I think this sounds great. And, and I'm here to, I'm here to help. Um, I'd be happy to join the project. So, um, so that was kind of how it started. And for the last few years, you know, I've, I've been very busy with my career and Michelle with hers. And so the timing, and so we kind of were always entertaining it in the background, uh, but never really had the time to nurture it until, you know, really until the pandemic hit last year. And then the mm -hmm. conversations around it between her and I got a lot more serious. And I was like, we'd always intended for two Korean girls to be a ghost kitchen. And so everything we've been doing has been to develop the brand in that capacity for delivery. So even mm -hmm. with our menu and with everything else was what's going to travel well, what's going to reheat well, what's going to be optimal for delivery. And, um, it, you know, it's funny, it was, last, it was last year, probably right around this time, I like I sent Chef Allen an email and I was like, hey, three years later. <laughs> Is this, is this still a good idea or are we crazy to, to be thinking about launching a culinary concept during the pandemic? And um, and that was kind of how we reignited everything. And he mm -hmm. has been a amazing, you know, business mentor, uh, not only just on the culinary side of things, but the business side of things, the operations, mm -hmm. uh, the work culture, all of those things. And then of course, just an absolute, like amazing friend to us in this process as well. So, uh, we're, we're so lucky. We're, we're so grateful. We're so excited, you know, um, to have just besides his huge amount of accolades, just he as a person is just so wonderful and so mm -hmm. brilliant for us to be working with. And then, you know, uh, everything else that he brings to the table. So, uh, so a kind of long story to <laughs> Jennifer, Jennifer does not like him at all. <laughs> I'm such a, I know I'm like such a super fan of, of, of Chef yeah. Allen. You know, I think her and I, Michelle and I both, we're so grateful to have had his mentorship along the way because, you know, Michelle and I, we are 
we're a marketing and sales people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we can get deliver out anything and message and communicate anything that needs to get out there and in front of the right people at the right time and drive the demand and the business. But the, you know, the, the culinary business and the hospitality and restaurant business is not easy to navigate and, you know, mistakes can be uh, fatal really yeah. uh, financially. Um, so, you know, uh, I, we, we owe so much of our, of our growth um, and success, you know, you know, to Chef Allen, but he's one, a wonderful, awesome person. And I think that, you know, I can't recommend enough for, for entrepreneurs, no matter what business you're in, is to invest in a consultant or a coach um, mm-hmm. that, you know, can help you grow and help you build uh, your business. And also too, really like the, the culture that you want to develop for your brand as well. Well, we've talked a lot around the menu, kind of. So I want to hear some specifics about the menu. Do you want to get into those a little bit, Michelle? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so funny thing on how the menu really developed was, um, I mean, Jennifer and I love the OB, uh, the Bibimbap. You know, it's the classic, it's the, it's the original. And, um, you know, when she, when we were talking to Chef Allen about it, he was like, okay, he's like, let's talk about the menu. What's going to be on the menu? And Jennifer was like, the Bibimbap. And he's like, Okay, what up? Nothing else. We don't need anything else. This is all we need. <laughs> and he's like, um, I think we, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that. He goes, but we do need to get some more things on there. Uh, you know, so, and we're glad we did, you know, and, but it obviously with that being said, our number one seller is the OB, you know, the original, the Bimbop. It is, you know, that is by far like our best selling bowl that we have, um, type, you know, and, you know, that, like I said, you know, all of the dishes, the vegetables, the banchan, the kimchi, like everything is still very authentic to, you know, to our mother's recipes. But, you know, we're adding a little bit of modern flair where, you know, instead of it being like a, a, just a, just a sunny side up egg, we're doing like a heart shaped egg on it, you know, and also we have like gold edible stars that, you know, we're sprinkling on it. Jennifer calls it the magic, um, you know, a little, or sprinkle a little bit of magic and happiness on it, you know, and it's just like, we did little things like that to make it a little bit more modern. We also um, put on um, vegan dish, you know, some vegan items on there. So, you know, we have the impossible bulgogi meatballs, which everyone's very familiar with the impossible brand. Um, the other brand that we're working with is Adasha, which is a lentil based protein. And that is working with a local girl. Uh, her name is Taylor in Miami. And so, um, and so then, you know, we uh, were using her Adasha and, and doing it like, you know, bulgogi style um, Adasha. Um, Again, you know, these are the little things where we're trying to put a little bit of that modern touch on it, but also trying to make sure that like when people look at the menu, there's a little bit of everything for everyone. So it's like whether you want fish, you want vegetarian, you want beef, chicken, whatever it is, you know, there's always going to be something, um, you know, what's really awesome about our menu because it's just, it just happens organically is everything is gluten-free. Well, mm-hmm. except for, well, except for our desserts. <laughs> Because let's be honest, gluten-free desserts are not not that delicious. (laughs) So besides our desserts, um, you know, everything naturally, it's it's gluten-free. Like it's just, that's not an ingredient, um, you know, that especially in the Korean culture that they use. Um, So it's like, you know, we have, we have, we literally, it's a menu for everyone. At least that's what we like to think. (laughs) So Jennifer, since you were involved in marketing and social media, 
how are you marketing some of the less familiar items to the people and educating your customers about Korean food? Really, we're doing it um, very grassroots through social media and with email marketing. So um, we like we have a, a, a new menu item that we've rolled out that like, you know, the uh, spelling of it, you know, is a, a lot of Korean words, you know, get angelicized from, uh, <laughs> from because it's written in Hangul in, into like how it would get spelled out. Um, and it's called Dakboki, but it's spelled like T-T-E-O-B-O-K-K-I, like it's cr- a crazy spelling. Uh, and it's really, a, it's a Korean style rice cake. I mean, as an example of someone just read that at, at face value, never had Korean food, would have no idea what it is. Um, mm-hmm. So we spent, you know, we, we built a strategy around, well, how do we educate people about this? You know, not only with pictures, but with descriptions in the menu and things like that. Visuals have become so important into uh, being able to tell our story and to really explain our menu items. Um, but social media and really having a grassroots approach to social media has been huge. And then complementing that with um, with email marketing going out. So being able to to uh, you know blast out messaging that's educational and promotional at the same time, I think has been really has been really important. And you know, interestingly enough, is that. Uh, a lot of times, and and part of you know adding dakboki to our our menu too was we had so many people DMing us and requesting it, um, and mm-hmm. here Michelle and I are like, how do you guys even know what this is? Like, you know, this is like a pretty insider, like if you've ever mm-hmm. heard this before. But you know, South Florida is so full of, of transplants from other cities that are mm-hmm. you know accustomed to having like the ease of having Korean food you know, at their fingertips. So, so yeah, I think, I think that for us has been really, really helpful, uh, you know, living in this day and age of digital marketing and social media. Um, and it's, it's really helped us be able to connect with our fans, you know, and, mm-hmm. and things good and bad, you know, like we have a, a very like high touch, like as it comes to social media and engagement with fans and, and um, persons that are interacting with our brand um, because, you know, not having a brick and mortar, we don't get those touches anymore um, Mm -hmm. with a, with a customer, you know, everything is online. And so for us, we've hugely prioritized digital marketing and being able to create those touches and also to warmth behind it as well. So that it doesn't feel like you're getting a stale, great, thanks. Have a good day. You know, like this is, we, you really have to go above and beyond, you know, if if you're going to be a, a, a virtual kitchen or a, a ghost kitchen, really to, to create that. I think it's how many touches can you can you find and, and take advantage of? And really, they all live online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's really unique, you know, with our model. I mean, we're really, I mean, we're basically cultivating digital hospitality is literally what we're doing. And and it's been so cool to like to do, to, you know, to to be working in this type of market and this, you know, and have this type of strategy because, you know, it's, it's we're disrupting, we're disrupting the way people are eating, the way people are ordering. And, and, and I always think, I think it's a good thing, you know, when you can like shake up something in a good way. Mm-hmm. Can customers customize the bowls that they get as well? And, and can you explain, you know, what are some of the different ingredients they can combine to get the bowl that they want? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have five signature bowls. 
Um, the signature bowls are at edge, but then we do have a bowl that's called the Do You Bowl. So that's the one that you can customize. You know, we have three different, four different like bases that you can pick from. There is five different protein choices. There's probably about like nine, 10 different like banchan, which are basically chilled, chilled vegetables that you can pick as your toppings. And then, you know, we have like the heart-shaped eggs, some flax sesame seeds, some oil, um, and some different sauces that can also get put on it. So you can really customize it to your liking. And I would say it's, if it's not the OB bowl, a lot of people are going with the do you bowl. And so I would say those are kind of like our big two like bowls that a lot of our, um, our guests like to go with. So as I mentioned, so like the vegetables, they're called banchan. And so, um, Banchan in Korean, it, it's, it's um, side dishes is what they are. And so it's typically they're served before your actual like meal would come. And so it's kind of little like, and they're like little dishes, like little snacks that you can snack on. You can choose to eat them before your meal, or um, you can do what I like to do is I like to save them for when my actual meal comes. And then I have a nice little, you know, smorgasbord of everything. So, you know, those are the vegetables that you will then also, um, you know, can use on your bibimbap as well. And there's loads and loads of different types of banchan um, that you can, you can make available that you can put on your bibimbap. Like there's really, I mean, we like to think the ones that we went with are a little bit the more traditional, um, authentic route, but we've seen bibimbap served with so many other different types of vegetables and toppings. And as far as sourcing your ingredients, I know your mom has, makes the sauces and the kimchi is made in-house too? It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as, as much as we, uh, as, as we can make in-house, that, that has been happening. As far as sourcing ingredients, you know, in all honesty, that has been a little bit of a challenge here in South Florida because there isn't, I think, such a huge demand for a lot of specialty, um, like Asian ingredients. And so we have definitely gotten creative with, with our supply chain, that's for sure. So um, we have worked with, we're working and have worked with a lot of uh, local grocery and vendors that specialize in Korean products that are slightly outside the market, like outside the county. But for us, that's been our, our best resource and, and way to go about it so that we can, you know, again, to have maintain that, that. But hopefully, you know, I think that I think we're on to something down here because there's a few other Korean restaurants that have opened. And so uh, hopefully the demand for uh, these ingredients and the supply chain will open up a lot more, um, not mm-hmm. only for us, but for the rest of the community as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so too. And do you expect to grow um, to Korean girls and create more pop-ups or ghost kitchens in the near future or the distant future? Yeah, no. So, um, you know, as I like to say, um, you know, our plan is world domination. Uh, we want to put the bimbabs in everyone's hands. So the goal is definitely to scale and, you know, to have uh, many, many more to Korean girls. That's why we needed to be very strategic about, you know, the menu that we were choosing, the ingredients, you know, the, how we were putting the recipes together, because the more the more you can streamline it and in a sense, like simplify it. So it can be basically rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, you know, whenever you're opening up a location and it also helps kind of control, you know, help you with the quality control as well. You know, it, it's so crazy because, you know, working with Chef Adams, who's this like, 
you know, award-winning chef who's just like, he gets fish normally with getting flown into him every single day and, you know, had like this super elaborate, you know, uh, way of ingredients and freshness that he was working with. And um, I sent him our grocery list and he was like, hey, he goes, is this it? And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And he's like, wait, what? There's there's probably literally like 18 items on our grocery list because everything, you know, it's cross-utilized and, you know, and and that's the only way with, um, you know, with our concept and what we want to do, how you're going to be able to scale. Because if you look at back at like Chipotle, you look at McDonald's, you know, you look at all of these um, fast growing restaurants and you see it. The ingredient list is not that big right. and everything's getting cross utilized and whatnot. And so, you know, we definitely have caught on to that and, you know, and put it into our model as well. And Jennifer, is a brick and mortar restaurant ever in your future? Mm. Yeah, you know, um, so I would say definitely, definitely, um, you know, we are kitchen that's in Coconut Grove. We have uh, an operator that has taken that over. We have a another operator that's going to be opening or piloting a ghost kitchen uh, this end of the summer into the fall. So we have someone else. And then we are actually exploring the idea right now of a partner in partnership mm-hmm with um, another hospitality group. And then, and interestingly enough, is that in that scenario, it will be dine-in only. So, you know, we have these concepts that are delivery only, pickup only, and now this will be dine-in only. And so we're, we're very excited about that. I don't, you know, it's, it's anyone's guess, I guess, you know, where things will go and how they'll go. Mm -hmm. I think for us, we've just been, um, having a mindset of just being as agile as possible based on what's going on, you know? So a year ago, you know, no one could have, who would have, you know, we couldn't have predicted how long we were going to be at home and, you know, able to go out, not able to go out, what all of that looked like. So, you know, we're, we're being very agile with opportunities that come up and as like the world changes and what it's changing to, that we're kind of fitting that as well. But I do feel strongly that the ghost kitchen concept, I think is is really only just kind of, that that trend has only just started. A lot of experts in the space of, of culinary hospitality and fast casual, you know, predict this to be a trillion dollar industry in, in five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even if it nets out a portion of that, I think that that's huge. But I, I think that the, 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 I mean, I think before going even into the pandemic and a lot of our thought process with the development of two Korean girls is that, you know, looking at how people like to eat and what they want. And really, I think driven by probably the millennial demographic of, you know, just kind of saying like, well, you know, if all, I don't want to, I don't want deliver. I don't want just pizza and, you know, Chinese food delivered. I want a gourmet meal. I want tacos. I want, you know, all of these things forcing that demand and really telling the market what they want has opened up. Um, and I think changed the, the perspective of delivery on so many levels now where, you know, you can go into any, any app, any given day and get an amazing, you know, high quality, like nice meal, mm-hmm. from your favorite restaurants that, that you want to go and eat at. And I think that's, you know, that's the norm now really. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that, I think for us is we're, we're just, our plan is to, to continue to just be strategic and smart about what, what does the market look like and, and what can we kind of 
forecast or predict in terms of how we need to shift and what we need to do. But again, too, as Michelle said, you know, we've, we've really put a lot of thought and development into building these brands and uh, building this brand and the menu around uh, scalability mm-hmm. and in that ghost kitchen capacity. So now actually going the other way into brick and mortar on some level is almost um, easy because, you know, we've got, <laughs> I think the, 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 uh, the logistics kind of involved in execution for delivery is far more intricate than a dine-in experience. And mm-hmm. I do think that for a lot of brands, a lot of businesses last year when COVID hit, I think that that was something that um, was a really hard, uh, a really hard um, thing to pivot from with a lot of existing businesses that were so, you know, um, firm in, in doing dine-in only. And actually our mother included, you know, with her restaurant in Indiana, you know, Michelle and I living in major cities, you know, we call her right away and we're like, uh, you need to get everything online. You need to shut the dining room down. You need to, you know, and she's like, why? Like, it's coming. It's happening. It's not happened yet. Brace yourself. Go buy all the to go wear packaging you can get, get your packaging sorted out, get all your things sorted out, stock up on all of these things, get your menu uploaded onto all of these sites, you know, and really, you know, her and I kind of, Michelle and I went through the motions of setting her up for success in that space. And I think that that was hard for a lot of brands to, to make that pivot and to do it quickly. Mm-hmm. Cause also too, you're talking about giving up 20 to 30% of revenue to this third party app. And again, too, it's, it's the change. It's the change and the shift in the, in the industry as a whole. And if you've been pegged in and like, this is how you're doing things, that's a huge margin to give up to someone Mm -hmm. just because, you know. So Michelle, as we, you know, um, we're emerging from the pandemic now and things are looking up. What are you most looking forward to both personally and professionally? in 2021 and into 2022? You know, I'm, I'm really excited to see like where do Korean girls is going to go. I'm currently right now in Chicago and I've already been trying to plant the seed up here. Oh, cool. (laughs) I mean, I'm already trying to plant that seed. I don't know if it's actually, you know, makes sense right now, but you know, uh, you know, you know, I would love to have something in Chicago for obviously my own um, Mm -hmm. selfish reason. Uh, But you know, where I mean, Starting it in Miami and, you know, in South Florida, it was very strategic and, um, you know, there is a lot of growth for us there. So I'm just really excited in general about like where this is going to go, where, you know, how this is going to change. And, you know, we're, I'm very blessed that we were able to make lemonade out of lemons, um, you know, because not everyone was able, you know, not so many people could be, we're so lucky. So we're very blessed and we're very lucky, um, you know, for our success and where we're at right now. And I just can't wait to see what happens. And how about you, Jennifer? What are you most looking forward to? Um, honestly, I am looking forward to traveling. I am so oh, well, there's that. <laughs> get on an airplane and get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would love to go somewhere not in a 15 to 20 mile radius. <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I know it's it's so crazy. I feel like, um, you know, it's. I was used to, you know, hopping on an airplane two, three times a month. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't have any, I have no miles. I have, I, I don't know if I'm going to keep my status. Like I've got a lot of, I got a lot of flights to book before the end of the year. 
So yeah, I'm looking forward to traveling and, and being able to, to see people and welcome people, you know, back in a, in a safe mm-hmm. way um, and enjoy doing things together. And one of those things is, is breaking bread and eating food together, you know? So I'm really happy to see um, that we're getting to points of, of safety for the communities and, and all cities as a whole, that people can start going back out, dining back out again enjoying the company of others. I think, uh, I know we did uh, the South Beach Food and Wine event, um, uh, what was this, two months ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, pe- it just, there was such an amazing energy in the air mm-hmm. where you could tell people were just so happy to just be around other people, you know, like to see faces with no masks, to be able to <laughs> love people, to like be social and enjoy. And it's the nature mm-hmm. of, of, of being a human being and who we are. And so I'm, I'm really happy to see that and, and for it to come back in a safe way, you know, for everyone in, in, in all cities. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to and, and hopeful for. Thanks for sharing your story, Jennifer and Michelle. It was so much fun hearing about your journey with two Korean girls. Please join us for another episode of Menu Feed as we explore other restaurant journeys and food and drink trends. The podcasts are now available to download on Spotify and Apple.